What is up, everybody? Welcome in to episode 41 of Locked on Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. I'm going to be honest with you. I got a little bit more pep in my step for the podcast this week because we have reached the apex of this list, a list that's been going on for, what, six, seven weeks now of the top 25 best baseball games of the last decade. We're on to the final three, and game number three comes to us from October 19th, 2019, game six of the ALCS between the Houston Astros and New York Yankees. Now, if you're one of the five people who have been paying attention to this list, you may think that this game may be a little bit too high. I feel like if there's one in this top 10, really this whole list that I could see people pointing to and saying, man, that is, that's pretty high for that game, it would be this one. But I'm telling you, I'm going to do my best here to try to convey to you how unbelievably tense this ball game was. One of the greatest baseball games of all time. And it was kind of, it was kind of meant to be. These two teams, the Astros and the Yankees, from day one, were on a collision course to play each other in the ALCS. The Astros won 107 games a season ago. Yankees winning 103. The best Yankees team since the 2009 World Championship team. In a whole, in a lot of years, this Yankees team would have represented the American League in the World Series. This was a, a remarkably talented baseball team. And this series had been awesome. Yankees won a blowout in Game 1, 7 nothing. Carlos Correa hit a walk-off home run in the bottom of the 11th inning in Game 2, tying the series up at one apiece. Garrett Cole was lights out in Game 3 of this series. Astros won 4-1. Astros won 8-3 in Game 4. They got to Masahiro Tanaka. In Game 5, kind of surprising, Justin Verlander on the mound gave up 4 runs in the first inning, and that would hold. The Yankees would win that 4-1. And then you go back to Houston for Game 6, a bullpen day. For both of these teams, Garrett Cole would would have gone for the Astros had this thing have gone to a Game 7. I'm actually going to start out by giving the Yankees a fair amount of credit here because they looked dead after Game 4. They looked like a team that was ready for their season to be over. And I thought Verlander was going to deal in Game 5. They were going to close it out in Yankee Stadium, and they didn't. Yankees fought back, got to him, hit two home runs off of him in the bottom of the first inning. James Paxton pitched very well in that game. And you take this thing back to Houston, and you felt like you felt like with the way the Houston Astros had been all year, this was going to be their game to win. But a bullpen day, you never know. Bullpen days are so tense. These, these bullpen games with the the openers, as they call them in baseball, the Rays kind of revolutionized uh, that that term and that idea. Because look, when you have a great starting pitcher in the postseason or in any game who can go six, seven, eight innings, you are relying on one two, maybe three pitchers to have their good stuff on any given day. In a postseason game, you can probably get seven innings out of uh, your best starter and maybe use your your closer for a six-out save, right? In these bullpen games, you need six or seven guys who are going to be able to get you through nine innings. And it made this game a, a, an incredible game of chess to watch between these two managers. Now, this did not look like it was going to be a classic. Brad Peacock on the mound starting it for the Astros as their opener. He went 1-2-3 in the top of the first. In the bottom of the first, Chad Green was the opener for the Yankees. He strikes out George Springer. Jose Altuve doubles. 
Michael Brantley flies out to center. Alex Bregman walks. And then on the first pitch to Yuli Gurriel, he opened up the scoring in the bottom of the first. Altuve swiping third. This one in the left. It is gone. Astros take a three to nothing. Game six, first inning lead. Joe Buck, obviously on the call there. 3-0 Astros after one inning, and this Yankees team again, and this was where I, I really, despite what happened in this game and in this series, I had so much respect for this team. They were very different than a lot of other, a lot of other Yankees teams that I'd seen in the past where they would they just fought back. Uh, Gary Sanchez would hit an RBI single in the top of the second to make it 3-1. to one. Brad Peacock would then be replaced by Josh James, who would go an inning, and then he would make way to Ryan Presley. This thing would stay 3-1 to one until we got to the top of the fourth inning, where Gio Urshela would homer to right center off of Jose Urquidy. So many different pitchers used in this ballgame. The Yankees would use seven pitchers in this game. The Astros also using seven, 14 pitchers in a nine-inning game. And I swear, it felt like, especially in the later innings, every single inning, both of these teams had multiple runners on base. And every single time, it seemed like these pitchers would find a way to get out of it. In the bottom of the sixth, the Astros would extend their lead. Jose Altuve would walk. Michael Brantley would single to right, moving Altuve to third. Alex Bregman would ground out, actually a force out, a 6-4 force out at second base, but Altuve would score, making it 4-2. to two. And you felt like, again, you felt like the Astros were in a good position to blow this thing wide open. And in a way, this game was a perfect micro or not microcosm I'm sorry it was foreshadowing for the series that was going to be played next against the Nationals I talked about this when I talked about game seven of last year's World Series and talked about that series as a whole the Astros left so many guys on base in that series and they did in this game as well and to me the the number one rule of baseball you can call it an unwritten rule but it is something I have seen so many times over and very rarely am I ever proven wrong in this theory if you don't put a team away and you leave guys on the, on base eventually it's going to come back to bite you. Maybe it'll be in the fifth inning, maybe in the seventh, maybe in the ninth, but eventually it will come back to bite you. And the Astros left a lot of guys on. They left two runners in scoring position in the bottom of the sixth inning. Tommy Canely pitched out of that jam. Jordan Alvarez struck out with runners on second and third. Jordan Alvarez, very poor ALCS in his rookie campaign. Bounced back and had a pretty darn good World Series, but did not uh, hit the ball. Uh, at all in the American League Championship Series that year. In the top of the seventh, you know, it's still only a two-run game. Astros were leaving guys on base. You felt like they, they were leaving that door open. Will Harris on the mound. Aaron Judge singles to start the seventh inning. Gleber Torres hits a little pop fly down the first base side into foul territory. Yuli Gurriel would make the catch there for the first out. Aaron Hicks up next, works the count full, and then Michael Brantley made the best defensive play of his career in left field. Little fly ball, that is trouble, and diving catch by Brantley from behind the runner. One of the best double plays in ALCS history. That's a great call. By Joe Buck right there. Yeah, Aaron Hicks hit this thing a mile high. It 
it seemed like I would guess probably catch probability was fairly high on this play because this was not a ball that was hit very hard. Michael Brantley, I think, was was playing back, comes rushing in, makes a diving catch. Aaron Judge, uh, not great perception here. He you know, was leading off a of first base way too far, but was practically at second base, wasn't able to get back in time. They double him off to end the inning, and it felt like every single Yankees threat was getting extinguished, but it was only 4-2. to two. The window was still very much open for the Yankees to come back in this game, and it led to one of the most classic endings to any postseason game that we've ever seen. We're going to talk about it when we get back next. Built Bars are tasty. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. 16 amazing flavors, 8 chocolate nut flavors, 8 chocolate nut-free flavors. It says so on the packaging. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. I had my very first one just the other day, the peanut butter brownie one. And unlike a lot of other protein bars, which have a little bit of crunch to them, these, they really do melt in your mouth. And Built Bars are healthy too. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy or girl. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Look at uh, something like the peanut butter brownie, the one I just talked about. That's 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, 3 grams net carbs. You can try them today, but we have a special offer as well. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Use the promo code Locked On for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. To an early morning breakfast burrito, to a 12-pack of beers while you watch the game, sometimes you just need what you need delivered fast, and that's where Postmates comes in. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door. But Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make my life easier with grocery delivery and whatever I can think of delivery too. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. So no more trips to the store, no more late night food runs. I don't even have to worry about where to grab lunch anymore. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. And for a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. And we're back, so let's go to the top of the eighth. Joe Smith in the game now strikes out Edwin Encarnacion to start the inning. Didi Gregorius singles to left. Gary Sanchez works the count full, then grounds into a really dope-looking 4-6-3 double play. Carlos Correa made an awesome throw to first base. Again, Yankees, well, technically don't leave a guy on because of the double play, but they're getting guys on base and leaving them there, or they're getting doubled off. Now three outs away from elimination. It seemed like the Astros, this entire game, 
and this would carry over into the World Series, were one big hit away from blowing this game wide open. And you got that in the bottom of the eighth inning as well. Jose Altuve would ground out to start the inning. Michael Brantley would walk. Alex Bregman would line out to right. And then you'd get a Yuli Gurriel single and a Carlos Correa walk. And all of a sudden, the bases are loaded. Once again, uh, you have runners in scoring position. This time, all bases are occupied. And Aled Mastias grounds out into a 6 for fielder's choice force out extinguishing the threat like I said they were one big hit away all night from blowing this thing open and this thing probably wouldn't have even been on this list of top 25 games of the decade but this already extremely tense ball game was about to get a heck of a lot more tense and I know I've used that word a ton during this whole countdown tense tense this was a tense game but this thing was an absolute nail biter and I think part of it is because of the fact that both these teams had a, had lineups that were just top to bottom, one through nine guys who could hit home runs. And in a one or two run ball game, there was not a single guy who came to the dish who I felt like, oh, well, this guy doesn't have the opportunity to change this game. Every single one of these guys had pop. Every single one of these guys had power. And even going into the top of the ninth, Roberto Ozuna, not very good in the second half of the season, but still a semi-reliable closer coming on to close this thing out. You knew if the Yankees got one on, right away they're bringing the tying run to the plate. And that's what would happen. Gio Urshela, who had a big night tonight with single to left field. Brett Gardner would strike out, and then DJ LeMahieu would have, and I know I'm I'm prone to hyperbole sometimes, this was one of the greatest at-bats I have ever seen. Roberto Ozuna had his best stuff in this at-bat. I mean, he was firing darts, and LeMahieu fouled off pitch after pitch. He was taking pitches. This was an unbelievable AB by one of the best signings the Yankees have had in years. DJ LeMahieu, just an awesome season a year ago, and he would end up hitting one of the, what will probably go down as one of the most overlooked home runs and one of the most overlooked at-bats in Major League Baseball history on the 10th pitch he saw to Ozuna. 3-2 pitch, fly ball into right, back at the wall, this ball is gone for a home run, and this game is tied. Crowd silencer, momentum shifter, Whatever words you want to use to describe that home run, they all fit. This was a massive mammoth home run that just missed the glove of right fielder George Springer. I mean, if you would have timed this just maybe a little bit better, he may have caught that ball, and we're talking about one of the greatest catches in Major League Baseball history, but he didn't. The Yankees tie this thing back up, and you you wondered, okay, are the Astros going to be deflated? And there was also the issue, and this went for both teams, if this thing goes to extras, these teams are running out of pitchers. They've both used seven pitchers on this night. The Yankees were about to use their seventh. They were going to go to their closer, Araldis Chapman, for the ninth, and maybe even the tenth innings. Who knows uh, what would have happened if this thing would have been prolonged. And look, Araldis Chapman, I think, in terms of his postseason performance, gets a bad rap. Obviously, people remember him blowing that save in Game 7 of the 2016 World Series, a game that we'll be talking about here real soon. Uh, that was not his fault. He was insanely overused in that series. And what he did in Game 5, I believe going two and two-thirds as a closer in Game 5 of the 2016 World Series, one of the best relief performances ever. Uh, and he was he was dead by the time they got to Game 7. His arm was toast. A, a pitcher who more often than not has been very, very reliable in the postseason. And it looked like it was going to stay that way when you got to the bottom of the ninth. Martin Maldonado struck out swinging. Josh Reddick popped out to third, 
George Springer would reach on a walk, and that brought up Jose Altuve. Now, on deck was Jake Marisnik. Michael Brantley had been taken out of the game for Jake Marisnik, a defensive replacement. Jake Marisnik, God bless him, probably the only guy in the lineup at that point who doesn't incite fear in a pitcher's eyes. Jose Altuve, we know what he's capable of. I mean, you we can talk about the scandals and everything all you want. The guy is a natural-born hitter and one of the best hitters of the last 20 years. Probably not the guy you wanted at the dish. And he took a few pitches from Chapman, who seemed to have trouble locating his fastball. He went to the off-speed pitch, and Altuve made history. This was one of those games that just made you fall in love with baseball all over again a million times over. I was tearing up at the end of this ballgame. I really was. And if you saw my postgame video that I did after this game, you'll remember that as well. A, a remarkable moment. Houston going absolutely crazy. As weird as it sounds, because I, I don't like this team, I was I was a bit heartbroken for the Yankees, who I thought had an incredible showing. And that team, you win 103 games in the regular season. That fan base believed that they were going to beat the Astros. And look, I addressed this elephant in the room last week when talking about Game 5 of the 2017 World Series. There is a, a tainted element to that game. Look, right now, there is nothing about what the Astros did in 2019 that is tainted. There is no evidence as of now to say to support the fact that they cheated. Now, it's hard to give them the benefit of the doubt. I understand that. But right now, there's no evidence to support the fact that this was tainted at all. Obviously, they would go on to lose the World Series in seven games. We talked about Game 7 here a couple weeks ago. This game was just incredible. I mean, incredible defense. You had clutch pitching by these bullpens. You had some unbelievable timely hitting. The Astros finally got the hit that broke the Yankees' backs. You thought they were going to do it earlier in the game. They ended up saving their best for last. Jose Altuve, who would win ALCS MVP, became the hero for them once again. A remarkable, remarkable game of baseball. One of the best I have ever seen, and it is my number three best baseball game of the last 10 years. So that is going to do it for today's show. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2014. You can follow this show on Twitter at LockedOnTigers. And if you have any questions for our mailbag segment, which we will be doing again, probably starting next week, I'll be fielding a whole bunch of questions. So you can send those to this show's Gmail account, LockedOnTigers at gmail.com. And if you're still in self-isolation, go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, and leave a positive review for this show. It would be much appreciated. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Have a great rest of your day, and go Tigers.